Welcome to the One Oahu Podcast. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023. And back with us this week is Mayor Rick Blangiardi. Mayor, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you, Brandy. How are you feeling this week? Really good. I mean, you know, um, things are nonstop right now, but I like that feeling because I feel like we're just building momentum and we're starting to make some things happen. And uh, it's coming fast, uh, but I think our team is up for it. I know I'm up for it and just want to make some good things happen. Mayor, I wanted to start with something kind of tough. Yeah. It was a deadly weekend here on yes. Oahu. Um, I want to start off with, with the shooting in Maili. Two killed, three more injured. You know, previous podcasts, we had talked about that shortage of police officers, especially on the Waianae coast. But what are residents supposed to do? And I guess what is your message for folks about things like this, cockfighting, gambling, um, and all the other activities that come with that activity? You know, I, I you know, the... <laughs> The message is, you know, and with respect to that, and it's hard to change society because we're aware that that stuff goes on in certain parts of the island, and it's almost a cultural event, if you will. These things happen in places like that, and and they have a history, not of a mass shooting necessarily, but clearly there's been, you know, associated with drug dealers that go down in there, and there's been violence historically and fights. and But what happened this weekend with five people being shot um, takes it to a different level. Look, we've been really strong about guns, as strong as I could possibly be. You know, we're getting challenged in court and by a lot of other people uh, about sensitive places. But I've said all along, we're not a gun culture, and then, and anything that we can possibly do to curtail the use of weapons or even people carrying them or taking them to places we want to do, and then something like this happens. So it just goes to show that a mass shooting can happen anywhere. And here we finally had one in our own yard. It was also a deadly weekend on Oahu roads. Yeah. Um, three fatalities on Saturday alone. And you've mentioned it before. It's so hard to change driver behavior, but clearly something can be done, right, to prevent things like this from I happening. I think, yeah, I, you know, one of the things there, I think, you know, irrespective of what we said about our police officers, is better surveillance on the roads and stuff and trying to monitor. But, yeah, I mean, our, our um, vehicular accidents and pedestrian Accidents. I mean, 50 people a, deal, a year killed. You know, it's like one a week in pedestrian. Uh, you get behind the wheel of a car, you have a big responsibility. It's not. It's not. Everything is the same. It just you just happen to be driving. You need to be fully aware, and you certainly don't want to get behind the wheel of a car, if you if you if you've been drinking and and um, or for that matter. And lots been talked about this. If you're high on something. Because if it makes you feel different, as the science says, you drive different. And these things are just, you know, it's a needless and senseless waste of life. It's tragic. And the people whose lives, the people who die, it's one thing. It's the, it's the families that everybody else is affected forever in their lives. I mean, I, I, I've known people, friends who've lost people in accidents, and um, they still live with it. It's, it's painful. So... You know, be careful. That's all I, all I can say. I mean, we'll, go, we'll try to monitor. We'll try to do whatever we can uh, to prevent needless deaths and, you know, and speeding and everything else. But at the end of the day, people have to take a lot of responsibility for their own actions, too, because you can't put a police officer everywhere, you know, and um, that's the, the best I can say. Earlier this week, upgrades uh, began at Kekolike Mall. What's going on there? And if you can give us an update on what's happening in the nearby College Walk and the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Mall. Well, there's a whole lot going on. I'm excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you asked me that. I mean, Kekaliki Mall is the beginning. We're kicking off a long-awaited uh, $4.5 million capital plan. And, you know, we're going to be doing everything from, you know, pedestrians, better lighting for safety and visibility and 
pavement improvements, you know, that thing slopes and whatever. We're right. going to plant trees. We're going to improve the lighting. We're going to do everything we can, knowing full well that Ke Kalike is sort of like a heartbeat in the middle of Chinatown. You know, that mall is so active with so many merchants and people who come there, and it's just rich in flavor. If you walk into those shops, it's almost sometimes like going into a different world. And we, we want to celebrate that. And so it's needed this kind of TLC in the hardscape, if you will. And it's been long overdue. I'm really proud we're about to do it and anxious to do it. And of course, this will be ultimately uh, down the end of the street will be where the rail will be mm -hmm. at some point. So these, um, these advancements, if you will, these improvements are all kind of precursors to that happening. Now, when you talk about College Walk and, and uh, the River Walk, uh, we're, we're really, we've put money aside for that. We're starting to make some things happen. I'm trying to get the lights turned on right now at the Riverwalk. Uh, but, you know, all of these places are really potentially really great places for people to do things to celebrate living in downtown, in the Chinatown area, and making people feel safe and activated with different events. I just was on the phone this morning. There's a big plan, a, a big um, family day planned either for the middle of June or maybe middle of July um, the American Savings Bank and the Creative City and even the city and county can help put on but we're going to hold that at all a park it's going to be a big family day excited about that we'll, we'll incorporate using college I mean these are we want to activate this part of town have people feel like they can go down there and be comfortable and then don't forget we have a lot of residents living down there and even more housing coming we just did a topping off this week of the senior citizen at Halle Viola, and we can talk about that, I guess, in a bit. But you know, we're doing everything we can to populate it and make it safe, and at the same time, make it fun. Create venues where we can do some fun things, whether they're family outings or whether we're having concerts. I, I've talked to several promoters recently, very interested in doing concerts in our, our park, and we get the staging and whatever. I think it would be terrific. Yeah, you recently got a chance to see that Halle Viola project, much different than the last time we were there. Yeah. That building came out fast. Well, the, what did you like about it? Well, what I liked about it, first of all, we, I, I like where it's located. I mean, you know, and what it's about. You know, it's in a, it's in a great place for seniors. It's for 62 and older. It's, it's targeted to really our lowest economic bandwidth, if you will, the AMI, 30 to 80 percent. So this is really truly affordable housing. It's 155 units, which means it's going to house a quite a few people, and, and they're going to be kapuna, and they're going to be in an area where and keeping it safe where they can walk and, and shop and, and take advantage of that whole location. So um, I'm very pleased about that. But then on top of it, the building was really well constructed. And I went in and visited two units, uh, both a one-bedroom and a two-bedroom, and they're spacious. And, and I was really pleased to see that. We didn't, you know, we're not building slum housing there and just saying, okay, here it is, it's cheap, it's for Kapuna, and then you go in there and you go, I wouldn't put my grandmother in there. I looked at there and said, wow, this is really surprisingly well done. I, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but I was pleased to see mm -hmm. that, you know? Uh, and so it is affordable. Uh, we're, we're, we hope to be able to stop moving our residents in there in September. September 1 actually is the target date. Uh, and I'm just, I'm grateful, in fact, while we were there and we talked, uh, we had all the unions there, we had other people, there's a number of projects like this we want to get done. And I'm excited, that's what I talk about at the outset of today. We've got a lot of momentum now making things happen. There's all kinds of possibilities. And I think that's one of the real joys in this job is, is the opportunity to just simply make 
good things happen. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's a real joy. It's not easy, um, but when you see it manifest like we did the other day at Holly Viola, and you understand the reality of that, that's very cool. And that was a long-awaited project. That project was years and years in the making. And when we first came into office, we said, enough already. And I'm really proud of our team and the uh, Michaels organizations for their vision, their patience, and, and working with us. We got it done. You mentioned rail earlier, and rail was back in the news. Yeah, this week. rail's back in the news. I'm back in the news with rail. So. Here. You know, apparently I surprised our, our CEO. But go ahead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All because you said that July date. But but where are we with that interim opening in July? Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and I I don't want to take any thunder, um, but it'll definitely be in the early part of July. They're going to come out and make their own announcement, but it will definitely be there. I know we were challenged last week, and somebody even offered to bet me at the town hall last week. They were in such disbelief. You know, and I can almost understand that. There's been years of promises, and everything else has been associated with the rail. Unfortunately, most of it negative. We've tried to turn the corner. We have in so many ways, but try to turn the corner of public perception. I think that perception, that corner, if you will, will be changed when we begin operating. But we certainly have come a long way with the FTA. They're back at the table with us as a construction partner. The, the, the construction itself is going really well right now as we start to come down the Dillingham Corridor. I'm excited about starting it you know, just literally weeks away, what that's going to afford people in the ridership and beginning to test that ridership and be able to, I believe, very very strongly that all those pundits, and again, this is not the full system yet, but I think as we get through and what we serve from the, uh, out on the, uh, on the west side, coming in at least through uh, Pearl Harbor as a workplace, we're gonna, I think a lot of people are gonna be surprised. And I think they're gonna be surprised at the effectiveness of the multimodal and the bus system we're gonna run out of Aloha Stadium. And so uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Since we last had you on, you actually got to take part in a pretty major announcement about Cirque du Soleil coming to Waikiki. Yeah, I did. What will something like that mean? Well, I, I think it means a lot because we've not had that kind of a headline show. You know, this is the kind of thing that people spend a lot of money locally and even other people elsewhere to go to cities like Las Vegas and they go see a Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil right now, as I understand it, as far as entertainment brands, is number one in the world. As I said last week at the announcement, I've seen the show a number of times in Vegas and a couple of other cities. I've never once left the show not thinking it was not only well worth the money, but it was certainly well worth the time and fascinated by the experience, you know? So to have something like that on an ongoing basis for our local people, as well as tourists coming uh, into town uh, to provide that, I, I think it hopefully, in and of itself, will be terrific. I Hopefully it may be a catalyst for other things to come. I mean, we, we, I'm not looking to, uh, we're not looking to create, you know, make Kalakaua another, you know, the strip in Vegas. We're not talking about that. But we, I think we could use more really quality entertainment events. You know, Blue Note's been very successful. It's been very successful at local people, and they've attracted good, and there's another indication. I just think we need to have some more of this stuff in a way that's palatable, in a way that's cohesive with what our environment is and works, but give people those opportunities to, to have some fun and entertainment. And look, we continue to bring in headline acts for one-offs, you know, or sometimes we'll come in for two or three shows, and that's good, and we had the Broadway plays and Cats is the last one now coming up in June. But I think we could, we could, we could use even a little bit more and entertainment there for not just the tourist business, but for our local people as well. And I, I think this will be a catalyst to it. Yeah, what will be that hook? 
what will be the hook, I guess, for local people? Because when they approached you, I, I assume this Cirque is going to be different from the Cirque you see in Vegas, the Cirque you see anywhere else for, around the world. Well, you know, and in fact, I love the report. Our, uh, Makanani Salah, who's our you know, director for uh, the Office of Culture and Arts for the city, her husband, Dr. Aaron Salah, is a special consultant. He did the interview afterwards. This is all going to be tailored towards Hawaii. It's going to be, you know, one of those things. You know, we've said this all along, and it's being talked a lot about. I don't know if we're going to talk today about HTA and what's happening in the tourism sector and in the, in the government, but, you know, with a lot of talk about regenerative tourism, uh, the destination management, people coming here and having a cultural experience. We have so much to offer. How do, how do, we, how do we package that? It's not just or no longer just simply out at the Polynesian Cultural Center. How do we do things here um, that, you know, when people come here, they, they're not just coming for the physical beauty. There's nothing wrong with that. They're not just coming for the sand and the ocean. Um, and, and, but, you know, the experience of our people and who they are in both present, historically, and, and everything else that Hawaii and its beauty and its people represent for the world, that they're going to immerse themselves in that. And I think what this show is going to be designed to do is to really celebrate that. And, and so uh, they're very culturally aware, very sensitive. This thing is going to be tailored 100% to being on the 50-yard line, if you will, in the middle of Waikiki. Uh, but it'll be something that really hopefully in a very, very positive way showcases all that is so very rich about our Hawaiian culture. Last week's town hall meeting was held at Kalani High School. What were some of your takeaways from that meeting? Well, they're getting more and more interesting. Aren't they? Uh, yeah. I think each one has had its own personality, you know, which I think is fascinating. I think if there's a common denominator is that you can hear in the voices of people. Now, we've, we've done five. You know, their concerns about things, you know, and, and what they want to talk about, their reasonableness. I don't think we've had anything thus far that people, they just really want to hear their voice and they want, to, they want answers back from us, which we've been trying to provide, and people appear to be pretty reasonable. Uh, I think that uh, last week got a little bit animated over the rifle range and the, the shooting ranges. Understandably, I think it was good for our cabinet to understand what a pressure point that was in, in that particular area. But the good news is that we're reopening that, and we, we've told them that, and we'll, we'll continue to evolve that thinking. Um, I thought overall it's been pretty good. I, I would tell you that uh, a lot of times we've talked of late about you know building hope back in our community. What I'm hearing from a lot of people is you know, their pride of living here, they're just wanting to make it better, and, and their involvement and their concern, I, I, I'm taking it as a very, you know, we saw at the outset, and somebody said to me, how would you position this whole thing? And I said it would be a, a journey of learning, not just for our cabinet, but hopefully in the information that we can share. And I, I would tell you this, I, I could not be more proud of our cabinet. They're coming, they're showing up, they're attentive, they're engaging before, during, and even afterwards. There's been a lot of personal contact. A lot of business cards handed out, a lot of problems solved for some people who just were overwhelmed by the bureaucracy, if you will, of trying to get their voice heard in the middle of our city, you know, and I, I, I like it. I think it's going to get better as we, we go on. One of the groups that seemingly followed you from Mililani to Ainahaina, and yeah. there's a couple, yeah. um, but was the skaters. Yeah. At Kalani last week, they asked you for rules and reservation systems and things like that for the inline facility in Hawaii Kai. Right. What's What's the latest with that? And I know that you dealt with the same issue in, in Mililani. Yeah, well, we had some success in Mililani because the group took off, and all of a sudden the rink is getting painted and repaired, and I know they want a roof and they want lights and some other things, but we're getting it all set up for them. 
I don't know if we're going to get the roof built right now. Um, you know, I, I don't have the update on Hawaii Kai, but I will fo- we're going to follow up with that because that's one of the things we are doing, as you well know. We're recording everything. We have been following up throughout the f- all of them. Uh, as of this recording right now, nobody has told me exactly what's going to happen on Hawaii Kai. But as we've said throughout, and I mean this very sincerely, I'll continue to say it over the course of the next six town hall meetings, for all of the cultural sensitivity people are asking us to have, we start talking about issues that could encroach or infringe on that and telling them that we're very protective of that. You know, so too, and I've said it, we are about the elements of play, if you will, in our community and what mm-hmm. that represents. So, you know, we've, we've, we've talked to the, the car guys who want to track, or the skaters who want to rink. You know, there's other people with respect to ball fields of different kinds and circumstances. And the rifle range is another form of recreation for people. I mean, there's just so many different things uh, that go on, and, and we, we want to we accommodate that. You know, it's no different in some ways. Another extension, we was just saying about places where you go for professional entertainment. But, you know, part of life is to have joy in, in living and working and playing, right? And so I think we're not, we're not turning anybody away or saying that's a bad idea. Uh, we want to get our parks back up to speed, but any of these other new augmentations that we can do to kind of broaden it out, uh, that is of great interest to me. I think that's a real contribution. You know, this morning, or uh, prior to this, you don't even know about it, I was on a call today on a public-private partnership, uh, possibility of bringing in these outdoor exercise facilities. I've never seen ex- exercise facilities like this, and they're looking to partner with us, the city. They're beautiful, and if we could possibly get three of those installed in some strategic locations in the coming year, I think it would be really just a great opportunity for people because, you know, health clubs are not cheap and not everybody can afford to go. But, boy, these outdoor facilities that they've come up with, which is all about promoting fitness, be a wonderful addition. So it's I love stuff like that because that's the joy of, of, of living. And that's where people have said, you know, Hawaii is so expensive. You know, where, you know, help me get some added value for my money. It just costs so much to keep a roof over my head. If we can do these things for the public, um, I just think it's, it's, you talk about what's gratifying in the job, it's really worthwhile. As you're saying that, the thing that comes to mind for me is probably one of our youngest constituents got up to the microphone, a third grader, <laughs> asked about the tennis courts turned yes. into pickleball courts where she wants to keep the tennis courts. For those that weren't at that meeting, this clip probably didn't make the news, but how heartening was it that, you know, it's civic engagement from <laughs> yes. our very youngest. Yeah, it was really great. She read their letter. I told the father that was not fair. Just bring <laughs> your daughter there. And she won the hearts of everybody. Look, she's a tennis player and she didn't want her court being, you know, cut up and with lines all over it. And we said we're very respectful of that. That's happened in a couple of places. We've met with the USTA. We're, we're actually taking obsolete tennis courts and, and re-rendering. We're building new pickleball courts as well. In fact, I was in Waipahu earlier this week, and I was really so surprised. It was, I was pulling up there. We're going to talk about the Summer Fund program, and maybe we'll do that in today's uh, podcast. But there were a bunch of people out there on a you know earlier in the week, in the middle of the morning, with a hot sun, playing pickleball. So you know that sport has become its own its own beast, if you will. I mean, uh, but also understand the game of tennis and for young kids and, and how important it is, and for everybody who, who plays that game. So, um, we're, we're we're trying to we're trying to get that all done. I don't know how else to say it, but I thought that guy was masterful, and I told him <laughs> that to bring his daughter, and she was so cute and she was so eloquent. You know, it was one of those really good moments. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we can go there. In, in about two weeks, registration opens for folks in District 1 for that summer fun program, really popular program. And how great is it that this program is finally getting back to full capacity? Yeah, well, you know, it has quite a ways to go to full capacity, but this year we're hoping to do 10,000 kids. And what, what hangs in the balance of being able to do 10,000 kids is we need staffing. And so anybody who might be listening to this podcast who knows somebody who's looking for a great part-time job this summer, it's only six weeks long, it's only so many hours a day. Uh, you know, it used to be once upon a time when Summer Fun was really rocking and rolling with a lot more people, um, that those jobs were highly coveted, you know, and, and people would use every connection they had to get one. And now here we are out there with our Help Wanted sign, hoping we'll have people show up. So please, it's a chance to really um, help, just help with everything and providing a great summer of memories for kids. You know, we, we, we've lowered the fees. We've done everything we can. There's going to be uh, waivers in certain communities that really need it. We're bending over backwards here to try to just add some joy and hope back into our community by having a great summer for the kids. So, so I don't know what else I can say. It's a, it's a very cool program. And it has a great history here on Oahu. Yeah, I know that you got to visit some of the leaders, some of the kids at a summer fun a couple years ago now. Maybe it was two years ago or a year ago. Um, but it's not just kind of watching them. They do arts and crafts. They oh, do yeah. archery. They do basketball. I mean, yeah, swimming, yeah, it's yeah. It's not babysitting at all. It's very active. It's like a cool thing. If I, I mean, I never had anything like that as a kid. I mean, I think we had one program during the summer parks or whatever else, and it was, it was nothing like that. You know what I mean? And so I think it's really enriching. And uh, and not only that, it's what kids need beyond just the skills is the socialization place to go and hang out with other kids and have some fun and play during the summer. I mean, that's part of growing up. And, and the fact that we have a program like that here in Hawaii and on Oahu and coming out of COVID as we rebuild our lives and put things together, if you will, I just think it's a wonderful thing. And so I really need, we really need the help. We want to get to that 10,000 number this summer. I want to go back real quick. You mentioned play and the places that we recreate. Another issue that came up last week at Kalani was Haiku Stairs. Mm. You made it very clear. You have a decision on this. Can you explain what got you that decision and what happens now? Well, you know, we looked at that in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know, I started out wanting to keep the stairs, but the more we dove into it and the more I began to understand what it represented for the community that was being impacted by it, it was not an acceptable circumstance. Nonetheless, you know, understanding its history and the passion of people who wanted us to retain the stairs, we gave it every benefit. In fact, we worked with Senator Schatz's office on this. We had some people come in. They did a lot of discovery. We've met with those people. We've listened to their proposals, and none of them really are sustainable or really, quite honestly, viable in what it would take to do that. So uh, we made that decision some time ago. We're sticking by that decision. Uh, we promised them we keep an open mind I think we've done that. I think we've come now in that spirit of examining it over and over again. Honestly, if there was a way to be able to do that that wouldn't impact that residential neighborhood the way it's been impacted. Now, I've heard the other side and the threats that, okay, even if you take down the stairs, there's still going to be people doing that. So we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that from the standpoint of people breaking the law, if you will. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, that's what we're going to do. We've said it, and nothing is nothing has changed that. So, what happens to those stairs? What, what happens now? And will there be a chance for people to still, you know, have a hike that's similar to that? I think there's a possibility. You know, I've heard if you were there last week, there were some people who said no stairs at all. 
You know, they don't want it anywhere. They think it's a desecration of the Ina. And there's a, some people pretty feel pretty strongly about that. I know that we've had preliminary talks with John Gordon from Kualoa Ranch, who considers himself to have a local national park over there. And it really is a beautiful place. And it's setting us on the other side of the very same mountain range about the possibility of having something built there that would be an incredible attraction that could be monitored properly, done safely, done, done the way it should be. It's not quite the other, but you know, Haiku Stairs was built as a civil defense project. It wasn't built, you know, for it got adapted right. into that. Mm -hmm. it, it's proven to be, it's proven to be, you know, only now for really skilled climbers. It, and it's been closed, but you know, it's an easy place to get hurt or even killed. And so, uh, fortunately, that hasn't been happening. We've had it closed for some time. Uh, we're just going to remove that from the scene. On the front page of the and newspaper. By the way, that's not a popular decision yeah, with, with some people, but I can tell you there are a lot of people who feel strongly about those stairs coming down. So uh, I think the greater majority wins out on this one, just so you know. But go ahead. On the front page of the newspaper on Tuesday was this mm. story. Um, down the castle caught up with River of Life. Yeah. About a year out since they moved out of Chinatown and the impact that that has made. Uh, he's a 77 off the streets into rehab or shelter. Your thoughts on this one year later? Well, you know, I feel very strongly about this. I think that River of Life folks are really good people. And it's a really well-intended ministry that regrettably had unintended consequences. And while they were there for some 35 years and over time when our homeless population grew and we saw more people, you know, who really couldn't help themselves but knew enough about where to go get food. These are people who are mentally ill or drug addicted or alcohol related or whatever kinds of addictions they might suffer from, plus other things would go there. They would get their food. They would feed themselves and then literally lay down on the sidewalks and, and throw stuff all over the place. And that just got progressively worse for a long time. Uh, that public feeding just created that. And as I said, well-intended what they were trying to get done with their ministry. Now what they're doing is they're thriving, and the article that was in the paper earlier this week, they, 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 they got away from a centralized location. They, their ministry has really grown. Their ability to reach the people, what they wanted to do, which was their attendance, you know, their, their, their intent. I mean, they're trying to give people hope and belief and faith in God you know, through food, but it was not working in the model that it was in. I think at one time maybe perhaps it did okay, uh, but this, this, this was something that's actually provided now, now that they've moved out of the city uh, into, into neighborhoods and where they're practicing the ministry, it has really, really helped us. It's made a big difference in Chinatown. Also earlier this week, there was a story in Civil Beat about homeless veterans here in Hawaii and how that number has dropped by 51% since 2015. What do you think has worked so far about your director, Anton Krucki's approach? He kind of talks about filling these gaps, moving swiftly. I'm sure he talked to you about his approach, but why do you think it's been so successful? Well, I think far? it's, I take nothing away from Anton and his efforts and what we're doing, but you know, the one thing is the military has also worked. Andy Dahlquist, who works for them on, on, on try and provide 
homes and, and care and shelter and all kinds of services for for homeless vets. I mean, th- they've done a really good job, and I've been I've been in those meetings. I've listened to that. They know they know all of them by name. They know who they are. They know their stories. They reach out to them with regularity. They they build some trust and you know bit by bit. And I think that's what this whole thing is about. In fact, I, I said the same thing about River of Life, you know, taking care of their brothers and sisters. It's the same thing with the military and, and even with us. We, we Home is not a street. The street is not a home for anybody. We've said that. And, and so to the extent possible, and that's one of the things we're really focused on now, coming up with permanent housing solutions and be able to put people in there who can handle where we want to put them. There will be some people who just can't handle that. Um, and that's where we want to be able to have other other kinds of facilities where we could put them and have the wraparound services because really you're starting to getting involved in clinical and medical treatment. Um, but I think with the with the military, um, there's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of care there. There's a lot of respect for people who have served our country and then fell in really hard times and fell out of the way. And and, and I I hats off to them and anything that we can do from the city and county to augment. Uh, what, what, what the veterans are doing for their vets, um, we want to help. As we sit here today is Detect a Leak Week. <laughs> uh, what's your message to folks? Well, you know, it sounds cutesy, but the fact of the matter is, and Red Hill has created an unprecedented respect and awareness for water and, and the loss of water. And it's pretty amazing, um, you know, how much water is wasted through leaks, you know, and we, we met with the folks earlier this week and, you know, the numbers are, and the numbers are pretty big on, on the wasted gallons of water um, just through leaks. So this is something, it's another realm of public safety, you know, uh, you know, is preserving our water because without that, we're all in trouble. And I mean, that's what we've seen already, unfortunately, regrettably, through the Red Hill incident on contaminated waters and the impact that that had. So this is really serious business. I was really pleased. We met with the folks from Hardware Hawaii, and they donate, donated four of these water sense toilets. But more than that, they're giving out free tablets where you can put in the back of your toilet, and if the water changes color, you can, it'll tell you whether or not you have a leak. And, you know, and unfortunately, we have an antiquated... Um, infrastructure to begin with and and so we have older homes as well and stuff and so if we can create awareness and if people can actually fix those leaks and not just in your toilet it could be in your sprinkler systems and other places where you use water um, there's a lot of merit to that especially right now because we are in a conservation mode when it comes to our drinking water the Waikiki Aquarium Posted yeah. a photo over the weekend? Yeah, it was there. This is there. you, Mayor. Yeah, it was me. You're holding an adoption certificate. Yeah. For I a know. Hawaiian monk seal by the name of Gray. What yeah. is happening in this photo? Well, I named it after my, my granddaughter, Gray, because it was a Gray monk seal. <laughs> <laughs> and she was in town, and I was getting ready from that to go out there and see her and say goodbye to her because they were here for a week. She was one of my granddaughters. But I, um, I went down, you know... Um, Dr. Rossiter, who runs the aquarium, you know, my kids grew up in that place. I mean, you know, I used to almost dread going there. I was there so frequently, but it was just so rich in memories for me to go back there because the kids used to love to go there. If I asked them at any time when they were young, where do you want to go? It was either the zoo or the aquarium, you know? And um, so they do a really good job down there educating young people, and it was it was precisely about that. We wanted to go out in there and... Um, 
acknowledged it was Earth Day, actually. And in fact, what we did was we took Earth Day, April 22nd, and made it Earth Month here in Hawaii. But as I told the audience the other day, really, living in Hawaii, Earth Day is every day of the year. I mean, we, we I think we are wired to be sensitive that way uh, and, and to take care of our place each and every day. So in acknowledging Dr. Rossiter and his work uh, and, and at the same time adopting the seal pup uh, but it was a fun thing to do. I, I, I you know, on a Saturday morning, but it brought back a lot of memories for me on a personal level. I guess I'm not familiar with this program. So you adopt this plush toy, and, and it just yeah. is like an educational reminder that these are yeah. endangered. Well, I and gave the plush toy to my granddaughter when I drove out to see her uh, to say goodbye. But yeah, you do that. It was a way for them to help raise some money. I mean, how was I going to say no? <laughs> but that's not the first animal you've adopted. For those that don't know, you are the father of a adopted dog. Yeah, well. from the Humane Society, Peanut. Yeah, he's becoming legendary. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, um, yeah. I, well, look. I mean, it's um, all of that's just a good part of life, you know. And Peanut's made a huge difference. This is a little rescue dog with no teeth that <laughs> nobody wanted. He'd been rejected not once but two different families, and we just fell in love with him instantly. And and now the dog lives the lot the dog lives big i can promise you i go to i go to whole foods to shop for my dog to get him okinawan mashed potatoes and <laughs> chicken and again i mean it's crazy i he eats better than i do <laughs> where does he sleep on top of my head unfortunately <laughs> i move him several times a night and anybody who has a dog understands that there's something about letting the dog in bed with you and then, especially a little one, and he thinks he owns the pillow. I just, you know, so, but I've gotten so used to it now, it's not even bothering me. It just, it's just part of the evening, you know? Well, good on you. He doesn't know how good he has it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Mayor, we're coming out of what was senior weekend for the UH men's volleyball team. Yeah. Two-time defending national champs, emotional night at the stand, and the top seed going into this year's conference tournament. How impressed are you with the way that head coach Charlie Wade, who we've had here at Honolulu Hale, how impressed are you with the way that he's been able to do this year after year after year? Well, you know, I mean, we lived through an era with Dave Shoji and Wahini Volleyball. And, and what they were doing, it always seemed so remarkable. Now here we are at the men's team doing something that's pretty incredible. I mean, this recent win of the last two years of back-to-back -back national champions is not anything to take lightly because it's an incredibly uh, athletic sport. It's an incredibly intensely competitive sport. And now here they are, you know, having had an incredible championship series uh, a season rather and, and about to get into a possibility a real possibility of winning three which I'm not sure has ever been done and I don't want to botch you that by even talking about it not that I think I could possibly botch you because these athletes and it's un unfortunate the seniors that are graduating this year are incredible players but he seemed to have been able over the last couple of years to replace these incredible people that have graduated because it's not just the, the first outstanding senior class. He's had them for three years right. in a row. Uh, but but they, they're great. And the thing I love about them is um, they play for Hawaii. You could tell it. You could feel it. That's the, how they talk. I think Charlie's done a really good job with that. It's not just the team winning. It's about Hawaii winning. And I think that's the stuff. That's why they sold out the stand or Simplify Arena. I'm always going to call it the stand. That's why they sold it out. People get that. They can feel it. And I think that's so good for our community and, and so good for our state because everybody takes part in that pride. Well, Mayor, this is the One Oahu podcast. So for one final thought. Wow, for one final thought. I'll probably start off the way... I started today. I finished the way I started. Um, we've made no small plans. You know, we, we hold the bar really high for each other. 
Um, we have great expectations because we have great responsibility, and we're doing everything we possibly can to improve um, life on our island. So thank you. Mayor, thank you. And if you're listening and have a burning question for the mayor, because I know you do, please submit your questions. It's easy. Just head to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And it's another town hall Thursday tonight. We'll be in Laie. Our meeting at Laie Elementary set for 7 p.m. The next week, Thursday, April 27th, we'll be at Ben Parker Elementary in Kaneohe to hear from residents in Kaneohe, Kailua, Maunawili, and Waimanalo. We hope to see you there. And I hope you'll listen in next week to the One Oahu podcast. We'll be joined by the city's chief resilience officer and executive director of the Office of Climate Change, Sustainability, and Resiliency, Mr. Matt Gonzer. That's next time right here on the One Oahu podcast. Until then, aloha. Aloha.